I'm going to start off. I, I normally give a bit of an introduction to myself and who I am and where, where we've come from and all that sort of stuff. But I just, I want to just stop right now and read you the portion that I've chosen for the fourth part of the parables, which I call weeds and seeds. I'm gonna, I am going to bring this back here. Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lake shore. Comes from Mark chapter 4. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat and he sat in the boat while all the people remained on shore. And he taught them by telling them many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed, and as he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soils with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but soon the plant wilted under the hot sun since it didn't have deep roots. It died. Other seed fell among the thorns, the weeds, that grew up and choked the tender plants. So they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil. They sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as have be, has been planted. Then he said, anyone who has ears to hear should listen and understand. Now, if you've been in church for a little length of time, you've heard this story, and you've heard it preached on, you've heard it expanded upon, the soils, the seed, the this, the that. And, and that's understandable, and we've also heard that Jesus often said, if you've got ears, listen and understand. And yet, this is, this is the best bit. Later, when Jesus was alone, the 12 disciples and others who were gathered around, they came and they, they asked him what the parables meant. Because Jesus had said, if you've got ears, listen and understand. Well, they were hearing, but they weren't getting it. And uh, Matthew tells the similar story. But what he says, the disciples came and asked. First, here it says, the disciples came and asked, what do the, what do the parables mean? But Matthew had another question that he highlighted, and it was, why? Why? Do you preach in parables? What is the point of telling funny little stories? Some of them are short, some of them are long. I want you to think about that for a moment. Let's pray. Lord God, as we look into your word today, we just thank you that you are the God of the universe. That you, Lord Jesus, as a man on this earth, brought a message from God that impacts every single human being when we hear and understand. We ask that we would hear and understand today. Amen. See, when I was 12, my dad came home with three Bibles for myself, Mike and Jeff. 12, 11, 10. Graham was nine and dad thought he was a bit young for a full, full Bible just yet. Uh, so 
we got into reading the Bibles, but we kind of, after, it was, you know, it's a race, isn't it? I mean, that's what Bible reading's all about. It's if you can beat your brothers through and get faster ahead. That's the point of reading your Bibles. But we found that we would go for the easy bits, not the difficult bits. But after a while, as you mature, you start to realize that it's not just the easy bits of the Bible that you understand, that you uh, can understand, that you, you really need to engage with, to get in into you start to understand that it raises questions and you start having questions about what is this about mark twain said and i don't believe that he was a christian he said it's not the it's not the bits about the bible that i understand that concern me it's the bits i no sorry it's not the bits of the bible that i don't understand that concern me it's the bits i do understand the bible speaks into us it speaks to our our world and our and in our place jesus did and so I started to have questions and then I started to have like insights and revelations about things. Like for example, uh, the day, I think I was 15, when I discovered that Luke, who wrote the book of Luke and was a doctor, and then he wrote the book of Acts, uh, I, I worked out he's, it's the same guy, he wrote both books. Oh, look at that, I didn't know that about, you know, I discovered that by reading the Bible. And then one day I discovered that Luke actually travelled with Paul and was on the boat when it was shipwrecked. Because it says, we travelled across the island, around the Isle of Malta or whatever. I'm like, what? He was there. You know, it's like a revelation. But then, sitting in church one day, listening to a, a Baptist pastor, and he was preaching on the wine and the wineskins and the patches of cloth. And, uh, and, and I'll read it to you because um, it was confusing to me. Uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 33. The people come to Jesus and they say, John's disciples and the Pharisees, they all fast. And um, why don't your disciples fast? They just eat and drink and carry on and have barbecues and beer and wine and whatever. And that, that's what they do. How come? How come? They're not doing the spiritual things that everyone else is doing. And Jesus said this. I love the way Jesus, he doesn't really answer questions. He just asks another one. Do the wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. And then Jesus gave them this illustration. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. For then the new garment would be ruined and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. So both will be ruined. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins for the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. But no one who drinks the old wine wants the new wine. They say the old is better. Oh yeah, I see what you're saying, Jesus. I remember sitting there going like, what is he saying? What's all this bizarre about wineskins? I know that they used to, someone said, oh, well, you know, they used to stitch, the, when the wine was being brewed, they would pour it into a, you know, a, a tanned goat skin and stitch it up tight and hang it up and that's where it would ferment. Oh, yeah, that makes it all clear. It, and I remember sitting there in the, in the service and going, you know what, I could go and ask somebody about this but I want to ask God to tell me. And so I thought, I'm, 
and I did, and I went away. Let me tell you this. It was years before I understood what that meant. But what I do understand from these parables, why? The answer to the, the why is, well, because they're the words of Jesus. There's got to be something good in there. It comes direct from God himself. The words of Jesus have to be of value. Um, why did Jesus talk in parables? The second reason is because it's easy. It was easy for people, the common person, to hook in and go like, oh, I know what he's talking about. He's talking about seeds. We all, we all know. Weeds, soil, trees, travelers, people, businessmen, merchandise. It was so accessible. All the stories that Jesus spoke about, the common person could go, oh yeah, okay. It was an easy in. Crowds gathered around to hear his funny little stories. But the funny thing about hearing those stories, as we've already seen, is that most of them didn't have a clue what he was saying. They didn't, they didn't understand. And, and they would travel away again going like, oh yeah, that was pretty cool. We saw some miracles, he told stories about, but some people did get it. Why? Well, because while it's easy to get into, the next thing is a little different. You actually have to engage with the story that Jesus is telling. And so he, he gets the story going, and it has a wait what moment. Often the story, like um, the Good Samaritan the story we heard about that. You've got this story going along. The Samaritan was, or Jew was traveling down the road, got beaten up by, you know, yeah, it's all very real. But then it was, as it goes on, it comes to the moment where the Samaritan was the guy who stopped. And you, you would have heard a pin drop in the audience. because No, 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 no. Wait, what? And a lot of Jesus' stories had that wait what moment. The prodigal son, he ate, he ate the corn from the pigs. He, he was with swine. He was contaminated. He was filthy. He got home and it was like, wait, what? The father welcomed him and hugged him and gave him a, what? Uh, the shrewd manager, where the manager was going to be fired for not being a very good manager. And then he gets, he, 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 the owner says, listen, Go away and settle the books because you're going to be fired. And the manager goes away and says, how? I can't dig. I can't do all this work. I can't do manual labor. So what do I do? What do I do? I know I'll make friends with all the people that I'm charging bills. And write, write your bill. Your, your bill's 800 barrels. Of, write down 400. Your bill's this. Write it. And he down said so that uh, when he was fired, he would have somewhere to go, friends to be with. And Jesus' comment was, and the people are expecting to go, the manager, the owner is going to, you know, put him into prison. The manager's going to tell him that he's useless. That, that, that. But there was a wait what moment where the manager commended the unscrupulous, shrewd manager and said, well, he, he did what was right for him, didn't he? It would have been a pin drop moment. The wait what moment? Because now all of a sudden Jesus has got their brains engaged. So not only have they entered into an easy story, but they're engaged. Like, what is going on with this story? And the point of that story is, of course, that Jesus said, the people of this world 
are often smarter than the people of the light. Of the, of, they know how to, that they've got a goal and they know how to get there, where sometimes we don't. We're not as smart as that. So Jesus was saying, use your brain, get engaged. Uh, the, another thing about these parables, which we've just seen, is that they are often deeper than they seem. Jesus' stories are often deeper than they seem. For example, suppose one of you has a friend and uh, you need, you've got a guest coming and you need to give them some food, some bread late at night, but the friend is in bed and you go and knock on his door and, and, and he won't come down and give you anything. He says, no, I'm locked up, I'm in bed, Every, all the whole household's in bed, go away. See, but if you keep on asking, you keep on asking, you'll get what you're praying for. He's talk, Jesus is talking about praying. He's actually talking to the disciples. It came right after the Lord's Prayer. And he, so he continues on with this illustration about praying. And he says, ask and keep on asking, and it'll be given to you. Because even though you are evil, you're evil people. And they're all going, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how to give good things to your children, right? Well, how much more, says Jesus, will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, the disciples who have been asking how to pray are like, wait, what? How did we get from asking for bread and asking for material things and asking for uh, our daily bread and this and that? How did we get from there to asking for the Holy Spirit? Well, because the parables are deeper than we often think. Jesus often has a deeper meaning and a deeper understanding for us. If we will only engage, get through the wait what moment and start to think about what's going on in this story. I'm going to give you a little test right now and see what you think. I'm going to try and trick you. Um, to see whether your understanding of the parable is, is the same as mine was, okay? Um, Matthew 13, here we go. When Jesus had finished telling these stories, oh, wrong one, start back up, 44, verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he had to get the money to buy the field. What is the field? What is the treasure? Who is the man? Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything and he owned it he sold everything he owned and he bought it. Okay, what is the pearl of great value? Who is the merchant? What are they doing? Again, so Jesus goes on. Now, you know how we had uh, Justin talking about the three lost parables, the hundred sheep, the ten coins, and the single, the prodigal son? It was all three parables all in a row zeroing in on you? Well, these are three, again. So in other words, they're all telling the same point. Here's the third one. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. When the net was full, they dragged it up onto the shore, sat down and sorted out the good fish into crates, but threw the bad ones away. 
That is the way it will be to the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous, throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace where they will be weeping. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you understand all these things? Jesus says, just checking. Now, no. I don't don't think I did. Because, okay, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure that a man discovered. It's like, oh, that's me. I've discovered Jesus. What could be more valuable in this world than discovering Jesus? And, and I could just sell everything I've got, give, give away all. I could die for Christ. I'll give away everything I've got, give away my whole life, and become one of God's children. Yeah. And the pearl of great price too. It's salvation. That pearl is the salvation of Jesus Christ. And it's worth everything. There's nothing as valuable as this pearl. Right, But then the fishing net one, which is telling the same point, is an action that happens from God. From God's side of things. At the end of the age, God is going to scoop up the fish and the ocean and, and discard the bad ones and keep the good ones. So Jesus is saying, God is the one who is the actor, the action in these three parables. The man discovering treasure hidden in a field, it's not us. It's God discovering the treasure of you. And the pearl, the merchant, the merchant who left everything to go and get this pearl of great price, is none other than Jesus Christ himself who came down from heaven to pay the ultimate price, sold everything that he had to buy you. Now who saw that before I read that out? I'm glad someone said not me, I feel better. (laughs) Now here's the, here's the, the challenge and the question is, my challenge to you is, Are you willing to look at these parables and engage with them and be prepared to have your ideas and your thoughts about them shifted? Because this is the last reason why Jesus gave things in parables is because not only are they easy to to remember, easy to get into, easy to listen, they can be taken away and they can be planted in your spirit as seeds. Now, seeds have the potential to grow. They're not fully formed, but you can take a seed away, and over time, you can, you can grow something, and it, and it can mature. And, and this is about spiritual growth. This is about self-reflection. And the challenge that I want to give you in a moment is about... Two seeming opposite parables. But before I do there, I'll just finish off the wineskins thing. With, with, with the wineskins, where it says, No one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. The new wine must be stored in new wineskins. 
but people who drink the old wine say the old is better. I thought that that phrase, the old wine is better, was what the thing was telling me, that the old ways, the Old Testament, the old spiritual life was better. And it took me years to actually work out, no, what Jesus is saying is that people say that. People say the old is better because they don't like change. And so what I took out of that, and by this stage, this is years later, by this stage I'm, I'm starting to preach and teach and lead in the church and be, eventually become a pastor. By this stage, I'm like, oh, go easy on people when you're trying to inspire change. And that's what I took out of it. Now, whether, the, whether or not that's the intended understanding, there are different understandings. And, and, and equally so with the pearl of great price. Yes, salvation is a pearl of great price. It's true. So you can, you can understand it that way as one way. But that's Jesus' point. This is the whole thing about having seeds that, that sprout and grow and, and push your boundaries, push, out, push your ideas around. Uh, never be afraid of a challenge. In fact, I'd love to give you one right now. Uh, in Matthew 13, I'd like you to, I'd like you to go away and uh, over the next three days, look up these two verses. There's not a lot to read. Matthew 13, Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman takes and puts into the dough and kneads it together until it permeates the whole dough and it all rises. Okay? That's a good thing, right? Who doesn't like fresh, crusty bread? And then the second one was a few chapters later. Jesus is in the boat with the disciples in Matthew 16 and he says, Beware the yeast of the Pharisees. And uh, the disciples have a big discussion. If you know the story, they have a big discussion thinking, Oh, he's, he's, he's angry at us because we've forgotten bread. And he was like, oh, No, no. Beware the yeast, the teaching of the Pharisees. Because that gets into you and what? And then in the Old Testament, just to throw another verse your way, uh, I think it's Exodus uh, 20, something like that. The, the Israelites are told, Get rid of yeast, every bit of yeast from your house for a whole week. This is during the Passover thing. That's why they had, we have flatbread at Passover. That's why the communion, when you're having the actual article, is flatbread without yeast and wine. Because why? So here's the, that's the challenge. It's twofold though. Is yeast good or bad? And the second part is, you stop for a moment and you say, Lord, what's your Holy Spirit saying to me through this? Is there anything that you want to tell me? Let's pray. Would you like to stand with me?